All right. Uh, well, this morning we are delighted to have a missionary in uh, Germany by the name of Keith Gandy. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about missions and missions specifically in, in, uh, in Europe. And uh, so, Keith, uh, it's good to have you on the broadcast. Well, thank you so much, Richard. You've always been one of my inspiring heroes. And so thank you for allowing me to join you today. Well, I appreciate that. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell me, uh, uh, tell us, uh, how did you uh, end up in Germany? Um, maybe the process of getting to Germany. Why did you choose Germany uh, for your ministry? First of all, how long have you been there? Uh, we have now been in Germany 37 years. Uh, in January, it will be 38. Hmm. And uh, which, of course, we're recording this now in the end of November of 2020, just for those that are tuning in subsequently. Yeah. How we got here is that when I was, I'm originally from Phoenix, Arizona, and was just living just standard life as a young 17-year-old, but not living actually for the Lord, more like an incognito under the radar. Mm -hmm. And a work colleague was abducted on December 30th of 1975. And we found out word later that she had been uh, taken to the outskirts of town, molested and murdered. Hmm. And when that news hit me as for the first time as a 17 year old, I thought, where is now Sandy in eternity? The greatest burden for me was that I had never witnessed to her. And I felt so horrible. I said, either this has to be a, true eternity or not and if it is i need to get on board and if not then i need to just check out and so it took me a time of processing i came to the conclusion that the most verified historical event of all time was the resurrection of jesus christ and so i said i'm on board and within of waving that white flag Lord, if you want to use me, I'm not anything. I'm just a young 17-year-old boy from Phoenix. And, but if you want to use me, I'm yours. Within two weeks, uh, I knew that I would spend the rest of my life in Germany. The only way that I can explain that is that Psalm 37.4 says, Habe deine Lust am Herrn, so wird er dir geben, was dein Herz begehrt. Which in that. English is, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Meaning if Jesus is the first place, then he'll put desires in your heart that he wants to have there. And that has never changed. And so we've been here after schooling and raising our support. We've been here ever since. Landed at 24 years old. Our family was born here, except for the one two-year-old we brought with us. So we've so, spent all of our adult life here. So why Germany? Uh, 1975, you landed, when did you say you landed in Germany? January of 83. So this is before the wall came down. And so yes. we're talking about West Germany. And so um, what, uh, now we all understand, we talk about the call of God and, you know, it's, for me, it's a mystery. And, uh, but why Germany? Why not Africa? Why not uh, some other place uh, in the world? What compelled you to maybe look towards uh, uh, Western, uh, the West Germany. You know, I, I think that would be the million, million dollar answer, to be honest. Um, 
maybe it's just God's humor. Let me take somebody from Phoenix from the heat and put them in snowy Germany. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Maybe it's because I woke up one morning and said, I love sauerkraut. Um, <laughs> I actually, to be almost halfway honest, is that I think that he uniquely shaped me uh, as being a person that would be able to have the tenacity and the work ethic to uh, come to a tough place like Europe. This is the boneyard uh, for church planters. It's really a tough place. This is a unique culture. The whole environment of Europe that has had Christianity for now 2,000 years. And so somebody from the outside, especially from America, comes in or from the U.S. And there's automatic skepticism and rejection. And if you have to be able to handle that, I think that I was uniquely raised in an environment that prepared me for that, possibly. I don't know. How about your wife? Is she also from Phoenix? Yes. Matter of fact, she was a single child, and I honor her parents, who have now passed in the meantime. But they, they sacrificed their daughter for the mission field, and she, she was absolutely the princess of their life. Hmm. But they never, ever stood in the way and did nothing but support and help and assist us. Well, wow, that's wonderful. That's great. So did she have any reservations in going to West Germany at that time? None whatsoever. Matter of fact, that she did the Rue thing. Your God is my God. Where you go, I'll go. You know, that's really interesting. That's uh, <clears throat> pretty much the way uh, Sandy and I, a uh, little bit like our story, uh, Kenya was not her first choice, um, and she struggled with it a little bit because uh, she had never even envisioned herself to be living overseas, much less to Africa. And after going through some time of prayer and some discussion, um, she, uh, she finally, she said, I'm willing to go. And she said this, she said, the reason I'm willing to go is because, first of all, I trust God. And then secondly, I trust you. And uh, I thought, I've always thought that was a great answer. And so, well, that's, that's good for you. Well, tell us a little bit about your ministry. And now you talked about it being the, the boneyard for missions and missionaries. Um, so there's just not a lot of people coming and uh, being a part of uh, what, uh, what's happening in, in Western Europe, huh? Uh, yes, just statistically, uh, Europe is the least per capita continent in the world where church planters come to actually do works. Mm. You would think that it would have to be a place like China or India where there's just masses and masses of people. But Southeast Asia has per capita more missionaries and church planters than Europe does. Um, one other statistic specifically from Germany, we've had the gospel here for 2000 years and, uh, we have 2,000 roughly free churches, and free church in Germany means that we're not controlled by the government, we're not paid by the government. The two state churches, Catholic and Lutheran, their, their tithe is taken automatically from their paycheck and given to the government. And a free church doesn't have that. Uh, but the 2,000 free churches under that uh, category. In 1980, McDonald's and subsequently Burger King came to, to Germany. And in the subsequent 20 years after them coming here, they had over 2,000 uh, franchises. They seem to be able to get their, their Great Commission done. Mm, wow. And we're not, we're not growing. Mm. 
by any stretch of the imagination. And so therefore, I, I say it's a very needy place, somebody that will come with tenacity and will figure it out. Stay here and get it done. Well, tell us how you got started. I mean, um, <clears throat> and I know that there are, uh, you know, uh, I would certainly uh, <clears throat> be challenged to think about uh, going to a post-Christian uh, country and where people, I'm assuming, seemingly just don't care much about talking to you about religion or Christ. And so how did you begin? In retrospect, uh, I began wrong. Uh, <laughs> like most of I could, I could write the first half of the book just on things not to do. My biggest mistake, Richard, was the assumption that we are European heritage, we're Caucasian, so therefore we must think alike. We couldn't, I, that could not have been further from the truth. Hmm. If you would ask a German or a European, as I was trained classically in Bible school, if I could show you today from the Bible how that you can know where you will spend eternity, would you be interested? And a German will look at you and say, nope, not interested. Well, I thought everybody would be interested in their eternity. Nope. First of all, I don't believe the Bible and I don't believe that there is a God. So why would I want to spend any time with this? And you have to actually start from a completely different working place than we were trained to think. So having to rethink how you're, that took me a while to even grasp that we think differently. Culturally, it was a whole different. So back to, we started out just going downtown and, street preaching, passing out tracts, and found out that was very, very slow. But the thing that finally clicked was the need in our particular area for relationships. People are just absolutely so lonely, depressed, or they have broken relationships. Scores and scores of people don't talk with their siblings or with their parents at all, even for decades. They don't see them at Thanksgiving. They don't spend Christmas time together and don't even have their phone number stored in their cell phone. So it's just a unique place, but that also creates opportunities for us to be able to, to show the love of Christ, have them into your home, makes it all things differently. So that's how our church was based on, on the early stages upon relationships. And that gave us a platform to say, well, you people actually act differently and think differently. The way you treat each other at home is different from what we expose. So whatever, whatever it is that you have that drives that, I want a piece of that. Wow. That's what, how the door would open. Well, uh, you know, uh, you and I have known each other for <clears throat> several years and you know that I teach cultural anthropology and I, I tell people all the time that uh, you really need to understand the people that you're going to before um, you, you begin ministry or launch out in anything. And, I think it's interesting that um, uh, your thoughts were, uh, you thought maybe they would be just like you, uh, and uh, that they were totally different, the culture was totally different. So well, I'm imagining that after 38 years, you have uh, learned the mindset of Western Europeans and primarily Germans. Uh, yes, and that brings me to a second part of our ministry, not only church planting is my thrust, and to this point, we've been able to uh, create uh, eight churches, uh, of which six still survive. Two were basically stillborn, but uh, six that are going. And secondly, the ministry is then also spending time with other 
missionaries that are church planters to encourage them and to help them broaden their perspective on their toolbox and how how is it that I can not only stick it out, how can I get traction in ministry? So we do both not only local church, but also how do we do internationally within the European context and help people connect the dots a little bit faster. That actually takes me to a couple of questions. Uh, out of the uh, six churches that are going, how many of them are uh, German and how many of them would be maybe uh, churches or fellowships uh, with um, non-German people, if I can say it that way? Uh, yes, I, I was very strategic about this and feel very adamant that my sending and calling was to the uh, German culture and the people. And this is to create something that will be a, a lasting place where the gospel then goes out. And uh, a, a cultural group that is a secondary or a minor cultural subgroup that also then as basically travels consistently, like either university students that are there for a short period of time, and then they go back somewhere else or international church. I felt that that would not be something that would be my strategy. So all of these are German speaking works, but in the meantime, we've also had the blessing and the advantage to be able to work with uh, Albanians at one time. And now that's been changed. Now we work, with Farsi speaking people from mainly from Iran and Afghanistan and some Pakistan. And with these subgroups, we've had such a contact that some have gone out and taken the gospel with them and they're reaching their subgroup. So I have one man that contacts us and every week he has Bible studies with 500 Iranians. Well, that's great. That's wonderful. That's the, fabulous. Uh, the, uh, the other thing that you mentioned is the the encouraging of uh, other either North American and other Western uh, people that are serving there. I, I hear that uh, quite often from uh, guys that are working in uh, Europe. Uh, there's a fellow uh, in Italy uh, that, uh, you know, he's doing church planning and, and uh, doing his best, but like Germany, Italy is a, a bit tough. Uh, but he also has a ministry in, in just encouraging some of the other guys and gals that are uh, there on the field. And I know that you have done that in the past, and I, and I, think, that's, uh, I think that's great. And let me ask you about uh, the uh, – how do you um, – how would you uh, characterize or describe your training? I mean, you've got six churches. You're obviously not uh, pastoring all six of them, so – how do you disciple people, and uh, what is the status of training national pastors uh, in Germany? Uh, I, uh, I think because of the mind here, it's very educated and very logical, so we try and take, break everything down into small steps. And we take them one step after the other, and it's, it builds with time here a little bit, there a little, stone upon stone, just kind of continually that way. And we give them also opportunities to use what they have. Uh, theoretical teaching without an application is not really what we're looking for. We're looking for people that can touch lives. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how we do. We also then use a lot of book um, books to also guide that. Okay. 
Um, are these uh, pastors, are they bivocational? Uh, you know, you talk about the state church, and I'm assuming the state church uh, pays them. Uh, so uh, what is their status as it relates um, to being a pastor? Are they bivocational or uh, are they full-time? How does that work? That's the, that is one of the biggest challenges within Europe is that it's so expensive to stay here. Hmm. Uh, building a strong, solid uh, church where people uh, do, and it takes a long time for them to actually start to, to give. But the taxes and the social system that's required, uh, actually 50% of the salary gets to the person. That's his gross. And the other 50% goes for the state and for taxes. So just to have a normal wage, and let's just say 2,000 euros or 2,500 or 3,000 euros, just double that, and that's what it costs a church to have a full-time man. We're right in that stage now. So most people don't have that luxury, and so they have to then piecemeal it. They will, one particular man had 30% came from his church, 30% came from delivering newspapers. He had a bigger route, and he 30% came his wife, then took in foster children, and they were paid by the government to do that. And so with that, they were able to make an entire salary, and that's how he supported. Tent making is pretty big here in Europe. Well, that's, uh, well, that's interesting, and I can see that it is. <clears throat> um, it's a different, it's an obstacle in uh, growth and, and uh, well, if you were recommending, uh, you know, people from um, different walks of life are listening to this uh, podcast. So uh, if there is a young man, young lady that is thinking about coming to Western Europe, what would your recommendation uh, be for them as they uh, make that preparation? Uh, for those that are actually looking at the missions map, possibly one thought that has been expressed to me might be helpful. Uh, if you're looking at South America or Africa or even Southeast Asia in some places, there are some very fruitful fields where that you bring the gospel and they already have a spiritual leaning and a tendency and they're open for eternal things. And there's places like Korea or even across Africa where many cultures have even become Christian cultures. South America, Brazil, some others that are expanding wildly. Some are touching, uh, even in Nicaragua, Central America, where that's doing so well. Um, it was expressed to me the following, is that Europe is an easy place to live and a hard place to minister. Uh, Africa, on the other hand, is a easier place to minister, but a hard place to live. So in other words, there is... Um, there's trade-offs. Everywhere you go in the world, there's going to be certain things that are advantageous and some things that are really going to be a struggle and a challenge for you. Uh, Health-wise, we've got the best educational system and the medical field. Just for least listeners, uh, seven years ago, I had a massive, massive stroke. I was medevaced by a helicopter to Frankfurt where they did uh, brain surgery that night and told my wife that he probably won't make it through the night. And, uh, but glory to God, I did. Four days in a coma, 
14 days in the hospital stay in ICU and then out and another 28 days of rehab. And after I was released from the hospital and came back home, our entire bill from the thing from the German medical system was zero. I paid nothing. It was included within the medical insurance that we pay here, here locally. So it's a great system. It's a very good medical. It's not third world country by any stretch of the imagination. So we're, we're fine. At the other hand, it's, um, few and far between in souls. We do not have events where we have 400 people come to, to faith and 300 baptisms in one day. That doesn't happen. But if somebody will spend a life doing it, you can make a huge impact. Our church bought property in 2004. It's uh, actually now looking back. Uh, it will be in 2024 paid off. So in the 20 years, we will have paid $1.3 million and paid for exclusively from within the own church body. They renovated, they've paid everything. They pay all their bills, pay all the staff. Mm-hmm. So they care. It is possible. We send missionaries uh, out from our own body and support most of them. Simply, there's not a whole lot of churches to go from. We basically carry like 90% of their entire support. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's a great testament. What you're basically saying is uh, <clears throat> you're, you need to be in it for the long haul, uh, that it's not going to be a, a, a quick and, and easy in and out. And uh, so that's great. Right. Well, uh, well what else would you like to t- uh, your, our listeners to know before we begin to wrap this up? Uh, I would uh, say that... Uh, please have the willingness to adapt. We don't know it all. And just because we were in a successful church and we saw people impacted, we cannot transport that one-time event into another place and repeat that and just clone it somewhere else. That heart burden to reach people, yes. But the way and the methods have to be adapted. The gospel doesn't change, but the way that we do it and the way that we actually express that locally will. The way we live or the way we dress has to be all tuned in to how are we going to reach this people? The method that they, this, what style of songs will they want to sing? And that will take some, and if we come rock solid and saying, oh, it has to be done this way, then I think that we are putting uh, unnecessary hindrances in the way of the gospel. The gospel is powerful if we'll just get out of the way. Yeah. And if well, we will adapt to that, I think that, um, Anybody can make an impact here. You will figure it out. Uh, if you really stay close to Christ and your burden is to reach people, you can do it. Well, of course, you're singing my, my song. I uh, This uh, whole issue of methodologies that we bring from not just America. I, I watch uh, Koreans take the Korean model. I watch Brazilians take the Brazilian model. And uh, I always talk to our a North American friend saying that just because you're doing it well in uh, Phoenix, Arizona or Springville, Missouri, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate into uh, uh, working in other parts of the world. Well, Keith, I, I want to thank you for being a part of this. Uh, Christmas is coming up. Uh, what does Christmas look like uh, for the Gandhi family and, uh, and in Germany? Uh, very um, interesting. Of course, this is the land of the 
Chris Kindle marked the Christmas market, which this year in 2020, of course, is challenging. Uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, those have all actually been um, restricted to the point that we probably won't even have one this year. Getting people outside uh, is helpful, but actually getting them congregated is negative. And so therefore, the people that actually do that commercially probably can't make enough money to make it work. So I think that they're going to be shutting them down this year. Christmas is our absolute biggest day in church attendance. Christmas Eve, because in Germany we have two days of Christmas, legal holidays. We have the 25th and the 26th are both legal holidays. And the 24th is a half day, so that's when we start holding services. But since we now have to, within our particular church, we have to have the social distancing, everybody has to wear masks, and Families, we're family-oriented, so we have lots of little smaller children. Some of the parents are saying, we just don't feel safe. And so we have to, of course, do everything live, and we have to do it repetitively. Typically, we would have in our church 300 people on a Christmas Eve service. But that's standing room only and elbow to elbow, like flying in the economy section. And so we, we don't feel that we can do that. So we're, we're planning on like three services this uh, coming Christmas Eve, starting at like 1.30 in the afternoon, going till early evening. Um, we will then, as a family, also be in shifts. Since we can only meet two families, we'll have to do that over three days. By the way, we feel so blessed as missionaries that we have three children and they're all grown adults now at this stage. And all three have decided to stay and spend their lives in in Germany. So they're within a short drive from our home, but we can't see them all at the same time. We normally have on Christmas Eve, after the service, we come all here to our home and we have Christmas Eve dinner together. And then we open presents. We can't do that this year. So we'll do like one each day over Christmas Eve, Christmas, and second day of Christmas. That's what it will be. And so it will be a festive time for us. We'll enjoy them and get to spend time with the grandkids. Oh, that's great. I'm, I, I uh, uh, think it's very interesting. I, I want to do a, a podcast uh, with uh, several people. I won't be able to do all of them uh, before Christmas, but I think Christmas uh, overseas is, uh, is uh, really a, a, a rich experience. And, uh, well, listen, Keith, I really do appreciate you spending some time, uh, and uh, uh, we uh, appreciate your work uh, and your service there in, in Germany for so many years. And so uh, thanks again and, and, and God bless you. Let me put a blurb out if I've got any time or you can cut this off at the end if you need to, Richard. But we're still here. And if somebody would like a host and just come over and actually just see some of the Reformation land and spend some time knowing the culture and figuring out what a postmodern, post-Christian culture looks like and how do you minister to them, please come and visit. We'll find a way to make it work. Uh, how would you like them to contact you? You want them to contact through me or would you, uh, how would uh, you do that? Yes, they can do that. Or my website is keithgandy.com. Okay, good. That's great. Well, thanks again, Keith. And I'll stop the recording. God bless.